0: So happy to have you with us this week on the show. I am reaching back into the archives and pulling back an interview from the Thriving Life Summit to share a conversation that I actually mentioned last week in my top five health swaps to transform your life and enjoy better well-being now and long into the future. And I referred to a conversation that I had with Vonda Schaefer, a psychotherapist and nutritionist based here in California who uses neuro-nutrient therapy to help us have the building blocks that we need to create the feel-good hormones that help us have the positive emotions we're looking for. So much great information in this conversation. I'm so glad to have you with us and can't wait to hear what you think. Leave a comment at happifiedlife.com or under the YouTube video if you're catching it here, or join the conversation over in our Live With Less Stress Facebook group. Glad to have you with us this week. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. What if you could maximize your meditation practice with a tool that maximizes your time and attention with images and affirmations carefully selected to boost your positivity, to help you integrate your intentions into your subconscious? I have a special gift available for you visit HappifiedLife.com and click on the Start Off Happy button to take a look at the phenomenal technology created by Positive Prime that uses neuroplasticity to literally wire your brain for more happiness, higher productivity, better relationships, and greater success. Head over to the HappifiedLife.com page to start off happy with Positive Prime. Enjoy it free for 30 days, Welcome to today's interview on the Thriving Life Summit. I am Susie Vine, your host, and I am so happy to be joined today in our studio by Vonda Schaefer. Let me introduce, I know you're going to get so much information out of this conversation, and I think a lot of it might be new to you. So, Welcome along to the show. Vonda is a nutritionist and psychotherapist based out of Solvang, California. Her practice specializes in stabilizing brain chemistry to reduce the constraints of insomnia, fatigue, depression, substance abuse, ADD, anxiety, panic attacks, eating disorders, sleep issues, and other underlying psychological issues. There's a lot of ground to cover here. (laughs) Vonda has been a licensed and practicing marriage and family therapist for 15 years. She has a master's degree in clinical psychology and undergraduate degree in nutrition and is a board certified holistic nutritionist. So we're really getting the benefit of a lot of different perspectives and education coming together and this synthesis is just what makes me so excited so thank you for joining me today and appreciate you making time. My pleasure. Thank you Susie. And I would love to get a little bit of the picture of how you made that transition perhaps, or where you saw the connections between nutrition, obviously that was a point of interest to you and these kinds of psychological issues that you see coming, coming together or showing up in practice.
1: Yeah. It started two ways. One was as I was starting to do psychotherapy with clients, therapy can only get so far. And, and I just didn't think I could send everybody for a med evaluation. So with my nutrition background, I was thinking, wow, there's gotta be a, another step here before we talk about medication or the need for medication. And, and so I started looking around and doing research on who has already, who's already looked into this and found a few practitioners, mainly Julia Ross, who wrote a book called The Mood Cure. And I did some training with her and that was my initial training that kind of got me going. And since then I've done a, a lot of other things and diggings, but really being able to help people with food and targeted supplements to help mental health symptoms before we go to medication instead of starting with medication. That's the biggest, that's the biggest beginning that I had. The other beginning I had was I was working in a school as a school counselor for a while. And my office was off of the lunchroom and many of the kids would come in for breakfast and lunch. And I was just watching what they were eating and thinking I could not even function if I was eating what they were eating. So the processed food, the you know, high sugar cereals. And so it just got me thinking and digging into how food
0: impacts everything. Ooh, we, we could go so many ways through this conversation now. (laughs) That is such a great point because it is, you know, there's so many conversations about how schooling could be easier on kids. So I'll try to avoid that rabbit hole, but certainly, especially two out of three meals a day, perhaps coming from one source, it, it definitely stands to reason. Like you can really see a lot of correlations, you know, coming back to how that's, how that's shaping their diet when it is. So, you know, simple carbohydrates, not getting that, that rounded nutrition, you know, what, what are we up to now? Two thirds, three quarters of the plate should be vegetables and fruit. We've come a long way, baby. <laughs> yes, we have come a long way <laughs> from that initial
1: pyramid. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And so I've, I find this so fascinating and, and really heartening too. And I've, I'm not familiar with Julia Ross's work, but I'm acquainted with some other practitioners in this space. And I feel like as in so many solutions that could be simple, if they were just more widely known is the conversation we're not having. And in Western medicine, you know, we're kind of in this mentality of file your complaint first with your general practitioner, and then they'll shuttle you somewhere else. You need a referral to navigate our system. And we're good at, at addressing concerns, but not asking the questions about what's underlying those. So I love that in that space of, you know, you weren't the first person, you weren't the person to go to the medication options. And just in order to be more equipped to serve your, your patients, then you were able to make, you know, connections to look a little deeper. And I think that state of curiosity is so important and a really important thing to look for in the leaders that we seek out so that we feel like we have a seat at the table and they're not just dictating to us, you know, what should work, take this, call me in six weeks, eight weeks. We'll, we'll see where that stands. So thank you for doing that extra work on your behalf, because it could be that simple. It could be some referrals to other practitioners and, and getting people, you know, looking for the right medication, even that isn't an easy solution. So do you have, do you find people coming into your practice who have been down that route, who have been working with other practitioners who have had them on medications and they're frustrated with that? Or do you tend to work with people who are starting out their therapy journey?
1: I have, I have had everything in the office. So yes, people do come in who've been on medication for a long time or a short time, and aren't getting results or are actually feeling worse, which we know can happen. And I'm careful with people with medications and I'm not a doctor. So I never would tell someone not to take their medication or interfere with that. But there's a lot of workarounds we can do, even if someone has been on a medication for decades and they don't want to touch it with their doctor, fine. There's still things that we can do from a nutritional standpoint and, and a targeted supplement standpoint. I also have people coming in who are, who have never heard that food or, or a supplement could actually impact their anxiety or their depression. So we start from, you know, the ground up and improving the diet. And then through assessments, targeting what, what symptoms are they're, they're they're dealing with.
0: Gotcha. Beautiful. Yeah. And I agree too. I I never mean to sound as if I'm putting Western medicine in the do not use category. I think there's a lot of room for that complementary opportunity. We can remove the pain and then we can keep on working to get to the root of it. So thank you for kind of giving us just a quick peek of to your process. We're going to come right back to that, but you mentioned anxiety and depression. Are those, would you say the most prevalent that you see coming into your practice or what are common complaints that people are bringing in?
1: Well, as you probably know, depression and anxiety can go hand in hand. So I see a lot of that. I'm seeing much more anxiety than than ever before. And even in young children and teenagers, of course, as we're as we're all probably aware, but was a word that, you know, people didn't use that word when I was in high school or even college. So it's much more prevalent and depression is as well. I also substance use is a big one we self-medicate. <laughs> so that comes up pretty frequently,
0: but definitely depression and anxiety are the top, top contenders. Got you. And so you mentioned to first, you tend to look at nutrition and make sure that the basics are covered. Where do you tend to find people might be falling short or not getting the basics covered? Are there common areas there that we indulge in or not?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think people have, we've all gotten so much information about our diet that it's confusing, you know, what, what we really are supposed to eat. And the truth is there isn't one diet for everyone. So I really try to work with people on individualizing their diet and, and not being very, very strict because most of us don't, that doesn't last. I'll have them give me a three or five day food diary and make some small shifts that, that really can be the beginning of a real shift for them. And the biggest one is especially when there's any kind of anxiety, or if someone has had a really low depression in the past, we balancing their blood sugar is one of the first things we talk about, and it, that starts with just getting protein and fat in at breakfast. Doesn't matter if they don't have to have breakfast by a certain time, but that first meal kind of sets the metabolism for the day. And so, if someone already has mood shifts, getting on the blood sugar roller coaster is just going to exacerbate it. So, that's something that you can do, you can do it today. And and notice a difference. It's not going to be the whole answer, but that is usually a starting point with clients. Anxiety gets worse when our blood sugar drops. So if we're eating a lot of sugar and processed foods, your blood sugar is going to spike, and then it has to drop. When when it goes down in the depths, cortisol gets triggered, and that can feel like anxiety for somebody who has panic attacks or. Who already is dealing with anxiety. So by limiting this up and down, we at least can steady the signals that and keep that cortisol more leveled. And in fact, prevent some it's an easy way to prevent some anxiety.
0: Wow. And I I just see this whole chicken and egg situation because stress spikes our cortisol, which spikes our blood sugar. And then in recovery, it bottoms out, and then the cortisol responds and we don't even need to eat the the sugary cereal to be on the roller coaster if we're letting stress take the wheel, right? But that it doesn't help that. Just like you say, watching the school lunchroom, it's the cereals or the toast or the Pop-Tarts, right? It's it's the convenience food that's just carbs. So that's such a good point. The way that you set the day, it's like the, the million dollar mindset, right? I mean, not only getting centered and balanced to start your day, but getting the right nutrition into your body to prime the pump. I think that's really important information to set your metabolism in the right direction. So that's really helpful. Yeah. The more I learn about how it really is all connected, <laughs> it yeah. just goes deeper and deeper. So fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And so in terms of the way that people eat, you know, I mean, there's a matter of convenience and certainly like you, you said, we've been through a lot in these last couple of years. I saw a study early on in COVID where people were working on average three hours more per day, which adds up to two extra work days in a week, but it certainly compromises. I mean, going shopping was its own adventure. DoorDash thanks us. <laughs> but having access to quality food and the time to prepare it is a bit of a trick too. So so to a degree, lifestyle is a big issue, but also there are some genetic predispositions that tend to set us up to, to not digest foods or metabolize certain things, or even detox very efficiently, would you say either one is more prevalent or is it again, so connected that it's kind of like untangling the puzzle to see which is affecting what aspect? Yeah. As you said, everything is
1: connected. And so that's why getting good assessments and good information on that first intake is so valuable because i you know is it the gut is are your adrenals contributing to this if the gut is there's something going on in the gut the gut talks to the brain a lot and they the back and forth signals have a lot to do with mood and just the production of neurotransmitters like gaba and serotonin all of our feel good neurotransmitters they're getting signals back and forth most of our serotonin is actually made in the gut so if some of those signals are off either because of brain injury or because of gut issues, then you're not going to be making what you need to make. So if the gut's a mess, we also have to figure out why, you know, is that because of toxicity, I'm seeing so many people impacted by mold, you know, which is a whole rabbit hole. I'm sure we don't want to go down, but I can do a lot of healing and working with people on gut issues, but if they're still exposed or if there's mold, then they're not going to really improve. So there's a lot of rabbit holes we could go down with the client, but first we do the simplest things and see how far we get. And if that for maybe 50% of people, that's enough. And their improvement is, is so extreme in their, from their perspective that we don't need to keep digging.
0: Yeah. You're so right. I love that. We are really starting to finally understand just how powerful an impact it has. And, you know, in our stressful lifestyles, it tends to take our digestion offline. And that is really not helpful when we're already, as you mentioned, having the impact of other toxins in our environment. So thank you for that. And, and I think that's really surprising to, to discover. I know I was surprised to find that serotonin and these other important factors rely on, on the health of the gut. Mm-hmm. You know, we're only paying attention to the brain, but there's so much more to pay attention to. So fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I can't tell you how many people come in, even young people who are already on anti-acid medication. And I mean, of course that's the first sign. that Okay. What's going on there. We got it. We have to look at that.
0: Yeah. Because that can lead to deficiencies in other areas too. Right. It can start to leach other other issues. It'd be really hard on our bodies. That's not a long-term solution.
1: (laughs) Right. But people are on them really long-term, but what was causing that in the beginning? Why, why did you need to go on that? And there's something to be figured out that with that for sure.
0: So, so for the most part, for 50% of people, some simple, pretty straightforward shifts can help. And, and it does take some fine tuning, you know, not everybody, thrives on a plant-based diet. And, you know, some people, you know, it always varies, but are there some core recommendations you find yourself saying over and over again, that we probably should have learned in grade school, but we've missed it in our education. Some things that we could start with and see how things might shift. If we're feeling a little lower than usual or feeling a little triggered.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that those simple things, aren't usually enough for my, for people who walk in, who are in my office, remember, you know, if you're going to, to therapy, there's likely some kind of symptoms that you're already getting in the way of, of life. I mean, the simple things are improving the diet and, and lowering alcohol use and, and moving your body. So we've all heard that for years and years, right? But if someone's really depressed and having trouble even getting out of bed or getting through work, telling them to exercise and eat better, that, that takes energy and motivation and things they don't usually have. So what I, with those people, which is very common, what I do is have them fill out my handy dandy assessment sheet, which is, has been fine-tuned by Julia Ross, the author that I mentioned. She had a clinic for a long time and basically fine-tuned this assessment form and has allowed us practitioners to use it, giving her credit, but it's an excellent form based on the symptoms that each neurotransmitter in the brain or the, or the primary ones, there's a lot more than what we address, but the primary ones that control depression symptoms, anxiety symptoms that need for reward, you know, that dopamine and endorphin need. And by targeting those symptoms that someone in their assessment tells me that there's an issue with like, for example, serotonin. Wow. If they have like high scores in that section on those symptoms, then we try an amino acid that works on building up serotonin. There's literally a supplement that's over the counter that converts to serotonin in your body. So we don't have to manipulate it with medication or maybe we do, but first, why don't we try to just build it up and see how that goes. So sometimes the simplest solutions are, are the best. And so I, I usually start with that. And once people are feeling a little better, they work very quickly, not like if they don't have to build up like medication where you get a fast result, then they have the motivation to start cooking more, to start changing their sleep patterns to, to actually take a walk. (laughs) So that's usually where we start. And I know some practitioners say, I'm not even going to see you if you're not going to be gluten-free, you know, if you're not going to be exercising and doing this, but the people that come in, in to see me can't start there.
0: Exactly. And and I, I am so grateful that you recognize that and I, I hope that your patients are as well because Change is hard. And it's so easy to get overwhelmed when you hear something like, I have to take on a whole new exercise plan. I have to take on a whole new way of eating. I have to throw out everything in my cabinets. Like Mm -hmm. we're starting already from a place of deprivation or sacrifice and, and already feeling overwhelmed. Just like you say, there's a reason that they're sitting in the chair. They didn't come in on a strong day. (laughs) And so I love that these little shifts can start to, to open up the space to bring in more practices, the habits that will continue the recovery, because when our body is getting what it needs, it wants to be in balance. You know, it doesn't choose to perpetuate that state of imbalance. So So that's terrific. And I love that it's, it's a questionnaire. I find it so helpful in working with my clients to have them sit in that space and just get into that awareness. Sometimes it's overwhelming because sometimes there's a lot of yeses on the list, which doesn't feel good initially, but then it's a great benchmark too, when they get to evaluate themselves and look back and say, this isn't relevant to me anymore. I've shifted from all of that because as things start to change, sometimes it's so subtle. We forget where we've come from.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's so great to go back and say, wow, how high would you rate lack of motivation? And if, and oh, if that's a two or three, well, well you had it at a nine before and you don't remember feeling bad. So it is really helpful to have that.
0: Yeah. Terrific. and And I think it's heartening too, to, to recognize that with that clarity, with a little point and direction, okay, it's probably these culprits here. So these supplements are very effective. And you mentioned amino acids helping the body to create it. So, you know, maybe we don't have, you know, the cells aren't functioning the way that we need to, we can get that engine humming again, you know. By, by providing these supplements. So in terms of the amino acids, are there some that you tend to go with? I'm fascinated by this. I'm not very familiar with the correlation. Like who kicks serotonin? <laughs> oh yeah, A bunch of names that'll leave everyone's going to want that one. <laughs> start with a questionnaire. Don't go out and start knocking down the right. shelves at CVS.
1: <laughs> right. Start with the questionnaire because, and also watch what brands you're getting. Don't get generic brands mm-hmm. because there because there's two different kinds of depression. There, there's probably a lot more, but in how it presents. But an apathetic depression is different than a low serotonin depression, which is is more of a negative. Life is never going to work out, you know. Glasses half empty all the time. That's a low serotonin depression, and also it's full of worry and anxiety and sleep issues and cravings for sugar. So the questionnaire is very helpful in weeding that out. That's different than an unmotivated, can't get out of bed. That's a low catecholamine depression. Mm-hmm. So it's really helpful to to kind of filter that. And with the amino acids, you're either going to feel better right away, you're going to notice something, or you're not. And if you get the dosing right, then, you know, always start with the lowest dose, but if, if you start with a low dose and then you don't feel better, you can increase the dose a little bit and see if that there's kind of a magic dose, just like there's a magic amount of food that makes us feel satisfied. Amino acids are received by the body as food. So, so five HTP and tryptophan are the supplements that convert ultimately convert in the body to serotonin. And then the low catecholamine depression, the more unmotivated, I can't get out of bed is helped by tyrosine, which is also an amino
0: acid. I just think it's so exciting to understand that, you know, if folks were working with the right practitioner who was asking the right questions, they could have relief as close as going to the drugstore and knowing which supplements to choose. Instead of having to try different medications and seeing which one of those might work and for how long, because as you said, sometimes over time, what does work stops working, you know, so it can be difficult. Right. Right.
1: And there is a type of depression that is associated with low folate levels. This is based on Dr. William Walsh's work, and he has a wonderful book called nutrient power. And so in low folate depression, there's often, if not always a, adverse reaction to SSRIs. So those are the people that don't tolerate medication, have really bad side effects and don't get the benefit of it. Wouldn't it be great to bypass that was a questionnaire. <laughs> or as Dr. <laughs> Walsh has been pushing for years, how about just a blood test to check folate levels? <laughs> you know, it's not that
0: hard, <laughs> but hopefully we'll get there. Yes. Yes. It takes enough of us asking the right questions. So take that one to your general practitioners, friends. Yeah. And (laughs) psychiatrists psychiatrists for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. Because it's, it's really a question of, we don't know what we don't know. And so it's so helpful when someone like you has devoted their practice, their attention to cultivating the resources that really make a shift. Because there, is, there are so many people, it's so easy now to self-publish or to get your own website or launch a podcast and declare yourself an expert, <laughs> which I try to be very careful not to do because it's so important to know that, that science changes, that information changes, and that staying current is so important. It's okay to admit you know, things change, data has been proven wrong, and we get to move forward with a whole new playing field if we're willing to let go of what isn't working.
1: Yeah. And everybody is an individual. So, so nobody walks out with the same, I don't think I've ever done the exact same protocol for anybody. It's there's always things we're looking at shifting, changing, trying, and it's individualized. You know, when you're doing a study, you have maybe 200 people that are all have, have their own individualized chemistries and genes and history environment. So that's the, the exciting part though. was just, I really enjoy working with one-on-one getting somebody's individual history and challenges and
0: cracking the code, cracking the code. <laughs> <laughs> and then once you've got people on a better track, some of those nutrition pitfalls are resolved, they're, um, Maybe using some of the supplements that will help to bridge the gap and, and boost us where we're deficient. Do you see the body come into balance so that they ultimately don't need them? Or is this something that they're perhaps going to continue to need to call on?
1: Yeah, both. So, some people, if somebody's already on a really clean diet, they don't need them for very long at all you know, everything goes, I'm sure you see as well. Everything goes quickly. Everything gets better fast and stays that way. Amino acids are interesting because they're restorative, but if you have enough in your body and then you keep taking it, you actually could develop, could feel like a somewhat of a subtle adverse reaction. For example, if you don't need five HTP anymore, you might start getting tired from it. And that's kind of the body saying, I don't, I don't need this anymore. So ideally, yes, most people don't need to take them anymore. There are a lot of exceptions, especially with clients that I work with who have family history of, you know, lots of anxiety, lots of depression. Maybe there's a suicide in their family history, lots of substance abuse or eating disorders. You know, those are people that probably there's a genetic component and, they're going to need to keep taking them. Or if people aren't willing to change their diet which of course, there's going to be people that aren't, then, you know, you have to compensate somewhere. So you're probably going to keep needing to, to keep taking them. But the body's fascinating as you know, and it, when it gets full, it tells you just like, you know, when to stop eating most people, you know, there's a signal that it's like, okay, one steak is nice, but two is too many. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. It's listening to the body and yes, the amino acids are
0: restorative. Mm, Beautiful. And I appreciate that too. You know, there are genetic predispositions that will continue to need support. And, you know, it's, it's really heartening to see that conversation too turning to epigenetics where we might be predisposed to struggle in some areas and with the support to give our energy and bring our willpower back, right. When we're feeling better, we can start to improve the rest of the influences on our health so that we don't, we aren't so subject to the influence of those genes that might not be ideal. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. The genes
1: aren't, as your listeners may know that the genes aren't indicative that they're not, it's not for sure that you're going to have an issue. If you have say GAD, which is G-A-D. It's a gene that has a lot to do with anxiety, but just because you have an impairment on that gene doesn't mean you're going to have anxiety. You're more predisposed to it, but really the environment, the stress that you've been in or not been in impacts that a lot.
0: And I'm curious too. So what are, what are some common environmental influences or impacts that you've seen as people start healing? Where are some of the ways that we're running into obstacles that are hurting our own balance? I'm a big fan of being aware of the pesticides and avoiding those really helps to start bringing the gut, you know, microbiome back into balance, especially if we've had infections and antibiotic series in the past, but what other kinds of things do you see impacting ultimately the way that we feel? Yeah. I mean, the biggest one is stress. We're so, so stressed. Uh, You know, I, I
1: have a course that I do for practitioners. And one of the things I talk about is history. I've read a lot of memoirs and history. And if you look at history, this is not the most stressful time we've lived in. I mean, there was one generation that lived through two wars and a depression and not enough food. And this is not the most stressful period of history by far, but are we more stressed than our ancestors? Yes, we are. So managing stress, figuring out some kind of balance is huge. And everyone's heard that so many times that I think they don't even listen to it anymore. That comes up a lot in my therapy practice it's like if you're going to keep living like this, then your health is going to continue to be an issue. There's just, this just one plus one equals two. So definitely stress and food and your diet is, can be stressful or nurturing on the body. So a high sugar, high, you know, inflammation prone diet is stress. And that is the biggest, I would say that is absolutely the biggest contributor, what we're feeding our kids, what teens are eating, what kids are eating in college. And then, you know, our fast paced adults picking up food and doing like pre-made things. So the diet, the diet is probably number one, other environmental factors. Of course, the, the mold thing is popping up a lot and, I don't think it's because we have more moldy buildings than ever. I think it's more that our bodies are just not as happy and we're not able to to deal with it as much. I mean, mold's been a part part of life and nature forever. So plastics has probably come up in other interviews. Plastics is huge. Drinking out of plastic bottles. A lot of us thought bottled water was better for a long time and people are still buying cases of plastic bottles. It's a very big endocrine disruptor and the endocrine system is all connected. So if one part of it's not working and and then it overloads your detox and you can't deal with the day-to-day impact, all of us are impacted by our environment and we need detox is a really important process in our body. So those are the, those are the big ones, I think, and medications, you know, we have to detox medications. So people come in and they have a list of eight medications. It's not that uncommon to have a list of eight and the liver has to detox
0: that. So it impacts um, what else the liver is able to do. Exactly. Exactly. There's only so much work it can do in the course of a day. So if it's filtering the medications, plus the contents of the food that we're eating, those culinary chemicals that, yeah, I did have a great conversation with Dr. Ailey Cohen. And then it came up again, as I was talking with Dr. Tracy Gappin. so, yeah, those endocrine-recepting chemicals keep turning up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've even seen on- the government websites now they're acknowledging the impact of endocrine disrupting chemicals they're certainly not volunteering warnings or cautions so there's a lot of evidence behind it if it's there but it's it's buried on these websites you know it's we all were aware when bpa went out of baby bottles but we're not paying attention to the fact that it's still in the cans of the food that we eat or the drinks that we drink and you know it's still in food packaging to a great extent. So they do all add up. And to your point earlier, if people are already on a cleaner diet, then your intervention is able to take effect so much more quickly because mm-hmm. the body hasn't been already compromised by all of this that it's trying to carry. Right, right. Yeah, I talk about the the sneaky stressors, right? Because we get used to carrying that load. We don't recognize the impact of it what we recognize was we can't tolerate as much stress when it shows up, but we're not curious about why we can't tolerate what otherwise should be a normal level of stress. So I love that analogy. We're not living through the worst of days. (laughs) (laughs) We're just already stretched thin. Yeah. Yeah. And do you see um, quality of sleep impacted or benefited as you're working with people to balance out the neurotransmitters as well? is that another chicken and egg situation?
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Sleep is on the assessment list. And I ask a lot of questions about sleep. You know, are you waking up in the middle of the night? Are you having trouble going to sleep? Because all of those answers pinpoint potential problems. If someone just is ruminating and, and thinking about, you know, stress, simply GABA, which is our body's natural Valium, and also comes in a supplement can quiet the mind and, and bring the body down a notch just so that people can sleep. So there are some really simple solutions. And we try those first being low in serotonin often will impact your sleep because serotonin is how the body makes its own melatonin. So if melatonin is fabulously working for you, you're probably either low in serotonin or you're missing the nutrients to do the conversion. Mm. So sleep is the whole thing whole topic in itself, but there are some simple solutions that, you know, tryptophan at night, GABA at night, or GABA, if you're waking up in the middle of the night, that can be completely solve the problem. If it, if they don't work, then we go, you know, to a deeper level. is it hormone stuff. Are you drinking too much? You know, all of those things.
0: Got you. There's so much, there are all these factors. And I, and I love that, you know, that you're okay with sitting in that space. I mean, I think as practitioners, we, we have to be, but people expect there's one thing. Just tell me the one thing that I have to change. <laughs> and it's not an easy answer. Just like, you know, the solution might not be immediate, but a shift is a powerful start. And to right. hear you say too, that finding the right supplement that could bring you back into balance could bring you relief even more quickly than medication, which right? As you need to titrate that up and make the tweaks and adjustments. It can be easier than that. If you get yourself set on the right path, instead of let me try this and this and this and this. And because just as to your point, people can be on a shopping list of medications. It's not unusual this to balance out the impact of that one. And then the list goes on, but I've also seen people with the box of supplements because I heard about this and I tried this and I heard about this. And then you've got to unwind all of that too.
1: People are doing their own research and trying a lot of things. And I, I've just recently had two clients where I had to say, take a break. You've got to trust me and give me a chance. You can't keep adding, you know, all this stuff in, I have to know what you're taking and we have to work together. I'm also seeing a lot of companies now targeting symptoms on their supplement bottles, you know, sleep, tranquility or whatever. And, and it's a combination of a lot of supplements, which, which, which when i take a look at what people are taking some of them could be problematic that are thrown in with the mix so if somebody's taking a lot we we have to do some shifting about that as well and fillers you know people that are just picking up generic or or inexpensive brands never buy the cheapest supplement form you know i had two older ladies who both had brought me their kind of list and the the fillers and the junk that they were getting every day in their supplements. We had to, we had to revamp that really quickly. Um, So
0: look at the ingredients, see what you're actually getting. It's really important. Truly, truly. Thank you for bringing that up because it's so important. And I've heard of people buying, you know, looking for the best deal on Amazon and getting, you know, repackaged products, not getting what they were purchasing. So Diligence I is very important. always
1: have that conversation with clients. Please don't buy them on Amazon. You don't really know who the seller is. You don't know where they're coming from. And we, there has been a studies done on probiotics in particular, and they weren't what they were supposed to be. You can make a lot of money selling supplements with cheap something or other in the capsule. So yeah, I, I hope that's
0: coming up in other talks too. And I want to make sure we highlight what you have available to share with the people who are part of our audience. Yes,
1: I do. I'm a CEU provider for psychotherapists, for psychologists, and, there, and several other professions. So I have a two-day course that is designed for practitioners on bringing nutrition into the clinical setting. And it's not just nutrition, but everything we've been touching on with the amino acids and, and how to use them and when not to use them and all of that. But I have, I have a course that I think it's about 45 minutes. It's a primer called Therapy, and it's a primer basically for anybody, lay person, somebody who's never heard of, of the amino acids before it's perfect for that. You can do your own assessment and it talks about which supplements to try for that and how to do it, how, where to start with dosing and how to do the trial effectively on yourself. So, yeah, so that's my website. Nutrition
0: is therapy. Yeah. Knowledge is power because I'm sure as people have been listening in on our conversation, they've been curious and well, can I get started on my own? Obviously, if you have had issues going on for quite a while, Fonda is a perfect person to reach out to and get some perspective and support moving through your healing process. And it's so heartening to know that you can start to get an idea. You can get a little clarity and that we can have some power with some valid information to move ourselves in a better direction. And I want to thank you so much again, for being available and for sharing your information because your experience is priceless because, you know, it's so important to keep on digging below the easy or first answer. Is there anything else that we didn't have a chance to take a quick look at or any parting thoughts you'd like to leave with us today?
1: There's more information on my website. I do have a blog that has some case studies and, and as you and I discussed, there's an article in there on 10, 10 contributors to anxiety that will surprise you. There's a lot of info on there on the blog. So take a look at that. The website's therapy. And if any of anybody wants to get trained and, you know, start doing, taking this to the next level in their own practice, I really would love to talk with them about that too.
0: Yes. Yes. This is such an important message to be spread and and carried forward. So if you know someone who this information would benefit, I hope that you'll pass that along. And I was so grateful to you for making yourself available. Thank you. Thank you, Susie. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit HappifiedLife.com. Subscribe on your favorite player to catch the next episode as soon as it's out. Sharing really is caring, so please rate and review the show while you're there. And if you know someone else who would love it, please pass it along. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.